Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So glad you're here. Sorry, I've missed a couple of weeks due to sickness and just busyness of life, but I'm back again and we are continuing with Gideon. And like I said before, Gideon is one of my favorite stories to tell, of one that gets passed over quite a bit, but still has some great things in it. Uh, we're starting. In Judges 6, 25, and we will continue uh, previously, the uh, Gideon was hiding in a hole, trying to make wheat because the arm, uh, armies had taken over the land and uh, left pretty much nothing for the Israelites to, to survive on. And an angel came to Gideon and told him he was a mighty warrior. And um, Gideon, of course, tested. And then um, he went to, he went into his home and his town like the angel told him to and tore down the altars of Ashroth and Baal that were there. So that is where we begin today. Judges 6 25. That same night the Lord said unto him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar of Baal, cut down the Ashroth pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord on the top of its height using the wood of Astaroth pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, There was Baal's altar demolished with the Astaroth pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on a newly built altar. And they asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Jeosh, did it. Then the people in the town demanded that Jeosh bring out your son, he must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Astaroth pole beside it. But Josh replied to the hostile crowd, hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights, who, whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself. 
when someone breaks down his altar. So, because Gideon broke it down, broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jeroboam that day, saying, Let Baal contend with him. Now, the Midianites, Amicalites, and other eastern people joined forces to cross over the Jordan and camp in the valley of Jez Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came unto Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, sounding the Ebonites, the Ebonites around him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, also into Asher, Zevarim, Nepali, so that they too went up to meet him. Meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece on the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose the next day, and he squeezed the feet, the fleece, and wrung it out, wrung out the dew, a bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, "Don't be angry with me, but let me just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and the ground around it covered in dew." That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground around it was covered with dew. Now, as a result of Gideon's call by God, Gideon mobilized some local tribes to confront the Midianites. But despite a clear call, a, a doubt emerges in Gideon's mind. And he thinks of the fact that he's not really a soldier. He doesn't know warfare, his clan. His family was the weakest in Manassas, Manasseh, and he was the least of his family. But suddenly, invested with the responsibility of leading Israel into battle, he seeks a sign from the Lord. His first request is that the fleece he spreads out overnight will be wet, while the ground around it stays dry, and it's granted. And he asks for a more convincing sign, and he does the opposite. And this too is granted. And after this, Gideon doesn't doubt his commission. Many people criticize Gideon for the fact that God had spoken to him and commissioned him to be the deliverer, but he still saw the sign. But Gideon is just like us in a lot of ways. How many of us have, has God, like, led us to something, and then we're like, yeah, I don't know. Or, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Uh, physically, I'm not able to do that. Whatever. If God tells you to do it, he's going to give you the power to do it. Right? And I just hate that Gideon gets such a bad rap, so to speak, because of this 
test. Because he's testing God. When you're making a big decision for God or even for yourself, sometimes you like to see the signs. My husband and I felt the need to leave a previous church because we felt like God had something different for us and we prayed about it and we prayed about it and we studied and we thought and we prayed some more. We talked to some people and it ended up we asked for signs. Make it easy for us to leave this church. Um, you know, we asked for signs when we were going to a new church, what church we should go to. And each person in our family chose something, prayed for it, never told the other part, people in the family. And then when that happened, we joined a church, a new church. Signs are a way to make sure that what you're hearing is what you're hearing and it's not convoluted by Satan. So, but when you see the signs that you asked for, believe them. And Gideon did. So let's move on. Judges 7 is where we'll start. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped near spring Herod. The camp of Midian was to the north of them and the valley near the hill of Marah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hand, or Israel will boast against me. I own, my own strength has saved me, is what they will say. Now, announce the army. Everyone who trembles in fear may turn back and leave from Mount Gilead. So, 22,000 men left, which left 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will send them out for you here. If I, if I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him to separate those who lapped the water with their tongue as a dog laps from, from those who kneel down and drink. Three hundred men of them drank with cupped hands, lapping like dogs. The rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said, the three hundred that lapped, I will save and give the Midianites into your hand. Let the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the next night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down into the camp with your servant Purah, and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. 
the Midianites, Amicalites, and all the other eastern people were settled in that valley. Think as locusts. Their camels could not be counted. Oh. Can not be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling his friend a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came trembling down into the Midianite camp and struck the tent with such force that the tent turned over and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Jeosh, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. When Gideon heard the stream and the interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite and the Midianites into our hands. Dividing the three hundred men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all of you, all who are with me, blow their trumpets from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and Gideon. Now, Gideon went out and recruited a bunch of men, right? 32,000 men. But God tells him, that granting victory to so many could lead to them thinking that they did it and not he did it. So we needed to send them down. So he sent home the faint-hearted, which left 10,000 brave men. But God decided that's, that's still too many. So he sent them down to do kind of an alertiveness test watching the way in which they drank from the water, which resulted in them whittling it down to 300 men. And Gideon, still a little bit apprehensive, because you see how large the army is. The camels were so many, they were like locusts down in this valley, and they've got 300 men. So, God sends Gideon down into the camp, and he hears, overhears the com conversation about the man's dream, giving Gideon even more confidence. So he equips his army, not with swords or catapults or trebuchets or arrows even. He equipped them with trumpets and jars with, with light, well, you know, with torches inside of the jars um so i'm sure the men that that were left the 300 might have been like what am i supposed to do with this uh you know am i supposed to beat somebody to death with this trumpet uh you know what happens if they come at me but they have faith they have faith in gideon and gideon had faith in the lord and so they moved forward with this. Now, if you were there at the time, if you were one of Gideon's 3,200, would you have made the final 300? 
me, would you have passed the test? Wait. You, you might have been fearless and been like, yeah, let's do this. But would you have been faithfulness? Would, would you have passed the test of faithfulness? And faithfulness means that you trust in God and you have faith in God. But you know that there's an enemy out there. You're, you're keeping your eye on the enemy. Let's move forward. Judges 7, 19. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just after they had changed guards. They blew their trumpets and broke their jars that were in their hands, and the three companies blew their jump trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping their torches in their left hand, holding up their trumpets with their right hand, and they blew and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their own swords. The army fled to Bethshetha and towards the rest, as far as the border of Abel, Abel Manilot near Tabith. While darkness fell, Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies, and they were deplo deployed silently around the enemy and gave them instructions and a signal, and they copied the actions with precision. When the moment of action came, the 300 blew their blast of trumpets and shattered their earthenware jars and caused their light to shine out, and they shouted so loudly, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. These surprise tactics brought great confusion to the to the enemy, and they fought amongst themselves and finally fled in disorder and disarray. Gideon and his men stood and watched the Lord defeat the Midianites without taking a single blow. It was obvious that the Lord's strategy, although strange and unusual, was nevertheless the great, the best way to victory. And we saw this with Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. God's instructions may be weird, may be different, may not be what you think is appropriate. But he has a plan. And he knows that plan. Right? How, how would our lives be transformed if we could learn to listen to God and understand that God delights in being given the credit for his conquest and victory? You know? Our lives would change immensely. Let's move on to Judges 7.23. Israelites from Nepali, Asher, 
and all of Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill countries of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbarah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbarah, and they also captured two Midianite leaders, Oreb and Thebe. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you called us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better <clears throat> than that of a full grape harvest of Absar? God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hand. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. Gideon and the 300 men, exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. He said to the men of Succoth, Give my troops some bread. They are worn out, and I am also pursuing Zeba and Zalamana, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth said, do you already have the hands of Ziba and Zeramana in your possession? Why should we give bread to your troops? And Gideon replied, Just for that, when the Lord has given Ziba and Zeramana into my hand, I will tear your flesh with the desert thorns and briars. From there he went up to Penel and made the same request of them. But they answered as the men of Succoth had. So he said to the men of Penel, When I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zanamana were in Karker with force of about 15,000 men, and all were left, that's all that was left of the armies of eastern peoples. 120,000 swordsmen have fallen. Gideon went up by the route of the nomads east of Nova and Jagabah and attacked the, the unsuspecting army. Zeba and Zalamana, the kings of Midian, fled, but, but he pursued them and he captured them, routing their entire army. Gideon, the son of Josh, then returned from battle by the pass of Hears. He caught the young man of Succoth and questioned him, and the young man wrote down for him the names of 77 officials of Succoth, the leaders of the town. Then Gideon came and said to the men of Succoth, Here are Zeba and Zanama about whom you taunted me by saying, 
Do you already have their heads of Ziba and Sama in your possession? Why should we give you bread to your exhausted men? He took the elders of the town, taught the men of Sukkah a lesson by punishing them with desert thorns and briars. He pushed, he pulled down the tower of Penel and killed the men of the town. Then he asked Ziba and the Malama, what kind of men did you kill at Tabor? Men like you, they answered, each one bearing with the bearing of a prince. Gideon replied, those were my brothers, sons of my mothers, my mother. As surely as the Lord lives, if you had spared their lives, I would not kill you. Turning to Jether, the oldest son, he said, kill them. But Jether did not draw his sword because he was only a boy and was afraid. Ziba and Zalamna said, come do it yourself as a man. So is his strength. So Gideon stepped forward and killed them and took their ornaments off of their camel's necks. To bring about lasting peace, the Midianites must not only be scattered, but be expelled from the land of Israel. Gideon sends messengers to the Ephraimites to intercept the retreating Midianites at the River Jordan. When they arrived and they put to death the Midianites leaders, then the Ephraimites they're really angry against Gideon for not being called out earlier. But Gideon appeases their ang anger by speaking to him. He points out that although he and his army had dispersed the Midianites, the Ephraimites had put their two leaders to death. Later, he's faced with another problem. Local inhabitants refused to supply his famished troops with food but he surmounts this and presses on to capture the and execute the kings of midian gideon seemed to meet with more opposition from those who were supported or you know that those he supported or that were supposed to be his friends and family like the the people the israelites Sometimes, unfortunately, that's the way we are. Sometimes people get caught up in things and they're not receiving the support needed to do what God wants them to do because of various things because of things in the church or different situations but we don't we can't allow ourselves to become discouraged right Mr. Moody Reverend Moody very famous uh very well famous preacher and um I heard the story once about him, and it's just reminiscent here. 
kind of, um, somebody once came to him and was complaining about the way that he preached and told him he shouldn't be doing it this way. And he looked at them and said, well, you know, I like the way that I do things better than I like the way you don't. Okay, so just remember that. Don't get discouraged by other people. And they may not be giving you the support that you need at the time, but don't get discouraged. Continue on, just like Gideon did, and keep moving forward. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. God may provide you with other people to support you in a different way. But just remember that not everybody always has the same passions as you. Not everybody has the same calling as you. And you just do what God tells you to do. And try not to be discouraged by those around you. Let's continue in Judges 8. The Israelites, oh, this is 8.22, by the way. Uh, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, your grandsons, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. <clears throat> but Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you, he said. I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was custom for Is Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring in, of his plunder into it. The weight of the gold ring he asked for came to around 1,700 shekels not counting the ornaments, pendants, and other purple garnets worn by the king of Midian, or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made a gold applaud, which was placed on Orpha, in Orpha, his town. All Israel positioned themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Upon his triumphal return, the Israelites posed that because Gideon had delivered them from the Midianites, that he should become king and start a family dynasty. He firmly rejects this offer, saying that the Lord is the only one that rules that should rule over them. By the time this was happening, 300 men under the Lord's leadership had routed and removed about 135,000 Midianites. And Gideon believed that God's rule over the nation was superior to any king, right? 
So instead, he requested from his fellow Israelite some of the spoils in order that he can make an ephod. Now, ephod is a priestly garment, a priest's a priest garment for the Israelites with the breastplate attached. This breastplate is associated with casting lots uh, to obtain God's guidance for ruling the nation. You'll find out all about an ephod in Exodus. Uh, but this is what he created. Uh, so he basically said, like, I'm not going to be king, but, but I will stand in as priest, so to speak. So now... God's people were taken up by, you know, everything that had happened. And they were still, like, Gideon's telling them, God did this, God did this, God did this. And they still kind of want to put it on Gideon now, you know, because they didn't have a king at the time. They were still, you know having judges and they wanted a leader they wanted but he said no God should be the leader I was just thinking we frequently and and I frequently hear this of people God did this to me, or God allowed this to happen to me. And that's why they're angry at God. That's why they're upset. They lose their faith, whatever. Not realizing that we have free will, and many a times our choices lead to various things happening to us. Plus, we blame God for everything. But Satan is out there trying to reroute everything that God does for us. I mean, he is trying so hard. And then when good things happen, how many people are like, you know, I did that. We made that happen. No, you didn't. God made that happen. You want to blame God for all the negative things in your life, but when a positive thing happens, no. You know, do you just think for a moment and think of anything unusual that has happened to you recently? Have you praised God for that? You know, have you really thanked God for that? So, we're going to finish up Gideon real quick. In Judges 8, in verse 28, it starts, Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again during Gideon's lifetime. The land of peace was 40 years. Jeroboam, the son of Josh, of Gideon, went back to his home to live. He had 
seventy sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, whom he named Amalek. Gideon, son of Jaosh, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father, Jaosh, in Orphan of the Asbarats. No sooner had Gideon died, the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Baratha as their god and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Gideon in spite of all the good things that he had done for them. Gideon's presence after this had people following God they were worshiping. Gideon did become a judge there at the end. And the people were fine. Gideon dies. They go right back to Baal. They go right back to their pagan gods. And they had 40 years of peace before this. After Gideon got rid of the Midianites and the other armies. He sets up a religious center, you know, in his town with the Aphod. And he tries to declare a policy that the Lord will rule over them, not him. Uh, but no sooner did he die and the Israelites just, let's do what we want again. Forgetting all that the Lord had done for them. So, it's been said that although an idol is nothing in the world, there is nothing in the world more real than an idol. Putting something else in God's place. Making a God of something other than God is very real. And it could happen to anybody. Right? The, you know, a lot of people, most people, know that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And to truly have God as the Lord of your life, you do have to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And that can sometimes, Satan can work his way in to where our pride or our, our heart is wanting something that God doesn't really want, you know? And when our when we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, our entire body, everything that we are loves God. Right? 
And so, in this case, like, when you do that, your life starts to line up with God's desires, your desires line up with God's desires and want, wants, and you really start to see what God can do in somebody's life. But putting other things in front of God, choosing other things instead of God, these are all idols, right? And this is exactly what the Israelites did. So some of the lessons that we learn from Gideon are that although the angel of the Lord told Gideon he was a mighty warrior, he didn't seem to really believe them. And it seemed to be a sharp contrast to what Gideon is doing at the time and who Gideon appears. And when you're reading, you see you're like a little bit Gideon appears to be pessimistic, argumentative, demanding, and really unbelieving. But it's not unbelief that laid behind his moods. It was insecurity. It was low self-esteem. In time, God overcomes this deep insecurity in Gideon's nature. And he never again asked God for a sign. Once he got that bit of self-esteem, that bit of security in his own self. The main lesson that I learned from Gideon and his life is that once we face up to the challenges that God gives us, our weakness becomes our strength. Gideon's insecurity gave him a way to sublime confidence in the sovereignty of the Lord. And although his life ends up on an extremely sad note, we should not overlook the fact that he had earlier learned how to simply and humbly accept God's help, an attitude which transforms every insecure struggler into a mighty warrior. So, as someone who struggles with insecurity and low self-esteem, this reminds me, all the time. The story of Gideon reminds me, when God is in it, when God is behind you, when you're doing what God wants you to do, you can do anything. You're a mighty warrior if that's what God tells you you are. And as hard as it is for me to accept, and as hard as it is for many others to accept, God made you. He knows everything about you. Your insecurity, your low self-esteem. He has got this. If God is telling you to step out and do something, he's going to make you that mighty warrior. And so... 
never underestimate what God can do. We frequently want to put God in a box because it's easier to understand what the limits of our brain than the true vastness of God. He created the universe. He created you. If he gave you a purpose, if he's given you a job, if he's given you a ministry, he knows exactly what you need. And he's going to make you a mighty warrior. He's going to make you exactly who he needs you to be in that moment. There are times in my life when I looked at a situation and thought there's no way I could do that. Because I didn't believe that I could. And I couldn't. But God can. And many times he's used other people to tell me, you can do this. Or he's used other situations and things to push me toward where I needed to be. I love writing vacation Bible schools and doing vacation Bible schools and having a week of just release of praise and fun and Bible stories and it is a lot of work but it it is a big ministry and when I first started working in VBS I was doing music and screen and different things like that and the lady that was over at the VBS at our church was like, she, she wanted to give it up. She didn't have a heart for it anymore. And she wondered if I would take it. And I said, I would pray about it. And I did. And I took it. I was scared to death. <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. I'd gone to VBS when I was a kid. I had helped in VBS as an adult. But organizing the whole thing, you know, and my husband's just like, God's got you. Don't worry about it. And he did. And now, like, since then, I have, I have been able to, through God's help, I mean, because it's all God, uh, write like 10 different VBS programs for our churches and some other churches in the area and I always say God does it because if I sit down and I try to write I will struggle for weeks and weeks and weeks to find a theme to find stories whatever but if I get my heart in the right place and I just pray I may go through two or three themes and then one of them just like bam and then it just seems to write itself because God is in it because God is right there and and that's why I say like I didn't I don't do it I just allow God to use my hands because but that's what he can do that's what we can provide free VBS programs 
for churches that can't afford the big box sets and or just to get ideas to do their own like you know that's a big thing if you can see how somebody else has done it maybe you can do your own and that's awesome so i have kind of got off topic here <laughs> for a minute but Seriously, studying Gideon. Main thing to remember, God knows you. If he told you to do something, do it. Because he will make you the mighty warrior that he knows that you are. And next week, we will start in Ruth. Uh... I like Ruth too. Ruth will probably have to be about four, probably four lessons, maybe five, but we will be covering Ruth next week. So thank you so much for listening to the end. Remember to be kind to yourself and others, and always remember to smile because God loves you and so do I.